You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save thy What a special day we come together to celebrate today. When our Lord took on our flesh, our nature, our lot, we celebrate the mystery of the Incarnation. And when we gather on Christmas, we look at that mystery deeply and think about it very reflectively. April Fool. I actually know what day it is and what we're celebrating. (laughs) And I know it's not Christmas. I have been looking so forward to preaching the resurrection of Jesus on April Fool's Day. All year long I've been looking forward to this. You know, and, and there's a tie-in. It's funny because when I was growing up, we lived in a family of practical jokers. My mom, God bless her, had three boys to deal with and a father who was the ringleader. <laughs> practical jokes were a way of life. And I still remember what I think of as the opening salvo in a very long war. My dad really got us. It was uh, right around Halloween time and we were watching The Wonderful World of Disney for those of us who remember when there were only four channels. <laughs> and, uh, and it was the legend of Sleepy Hollow. And um, our, our house was this really elongated thing. We had this long, dark hallway we had to travel from the television room up to the bathroom. And at the end of it, there was this long set of steps going upstairs. And you turned a corner and you were into the bathroom. Well, we were in there brushing our teeth like this. <laughs> My dad snuck up the hallway, snuck up the steps, reached around the door of the bathroom with his hand and grabbed the light switch and flicked it up and down really quick and went, whoa! And three little boys didn't have to go to the bathroom anymore. Well, it was, it, and that was, it was just the start. From then it was like game on, and we were back and forth constantly. I still remember one time uh, I said something to my, insulting to my brother out in the yard, and I turned my back on him to double the insult, and I heard him running at me. And I was standing right near the big maple tree, and as I heard him coming, I heard him jump, and I just timed it beautifully. I caught him in midair and hung him right in the tree, and I kept walking. <laughs> And they got me plenty of times too. But the, the one we, we've all agreed, all three of us have agreed, the best practical joke that we ever did was mine. Um, and, uh, and we laugh about it now. I want to say that up front. There was no permanent psychological damage in, caused by this thing. Um, but uh, that long hallway I was telling you about, I, I can still remember it. Uh, this, was, this was considered the best joke, both because of how it ended up and because of all the prep that went into it. Um, it, was, it was seven somersaults long. I can tell you that we had, for a 10-year-old boy, seven somersaults long down that hallway. Um, and I mentioned there was a big stair, stairway at the end of it. If you did those somersaults at full speed, you could spring out of your last somersault and go on all fours up that 
up that landing and land up on your feet up at the top. And we did this all the time. It was very predictable, all three of us. And um, so it was a couple months after Halloween. And I don't know if I was inspired by my dad's joke or what was going on, but I found this rubber skull mask and a cowboy hat and a cap gun. And I got this idea of a joke I was going to play on my brother. So I went down to the uh, switch box and, and pulled all the fuses. So that whole end of the house was dark. And then I put that mask on and that ha cowboy hat and I had this. And I grabbed the, I had the, the cap gun in my right hand and I had a flashlight in my other one so you could you know, shine it up under your face and look really spooky. And I was hiding it. As you went down that hallway at the top of the steps there was a landing and the landing was off to this side. You couldn't see anything. So I hid behind that, that wall. And I went, Hey, Matt! And sure enough, I heard him coming. One, two, three, four... Five, six, seven, bum, 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 bum. and right as his head cleared the top step, I jumped out and with a flashlight under my chin went, and my brother passed out. <laughs> you know. It's amazing how many things can go through your brain in a nanosecond. <laughs> and as I looked at my brother's form, prostrate on top of the front top step, the first thing I thought of was my mother. <laughs> and the second thing I thought was, I went way too far. <laughs> what we celebrate today, to not to put too fine a point on it, is the day the devil went way too far. See, there is a, a rule from Scripture. We have this very clearly. The wages of sin is death. Okay? You sin, you die. And this doesn't just refer to physical death. It refers to spiritual death. So... When we die, if, if we have sinned when we die, it's not God punishing us, it's us picking up our just desserts, the wages of what we've earned. In fact, we belong to our master, and our master is no longer God. Formula, if you remember your high school, you remember high school algebra? A plus B equals C, and you have to fill that the A, B, and the C in. A is human being, B is death, is sin, and so C is death. So you have a human being plus sin equals death. We're stuck with this situation. God's stuck with this situation, but God loves his children and wants to bring them home to him. The word theologians use for that is atonement. And if you want to think for what atonement means, because we don't use it much in English, it means at-one-ment. We've been separated from God and now we need to be brought back together. How does God do that? Because here's the problem. When good and evil fight, evil can cheat. But good can't. If good breaks the rules, it becomes just like evil. So God has a quandary. How can He bring His erring children home when they now belong to another? Rightfully so. 
We celebrate God's victory in Jesus Christ on Easter Sunday, but we still have to make sense of what happened on the cross on Good Friday. And theologians have thought about this a lot. And one wonderful theologian named Rufinius, and then he passed it on to Augustine, who more developed it later, thought this through and they said, you know what, here's the thing that happened. God became a human being just like us. That's called the Incarnation, like I said at the beginning of my sermon. He took on our full human nature, including our vulnerability. Our God, our God suffers with us. And when sin, death, and the devil, God's ancient enemies, saw God finally vulnerable... It was too great a possibility to pass up. Too great an opportunity. So they reached out and grabbed him and killed him. Not only killed him, but tortured him to death. Put him to a shameful death. A criminal's death. To grasp at the throne. And that is when the powers of darkness realized they had gone way too far. We're told in Scripture that Jesus went and preached to the spirits in prison. That's fancy poetic language for went to hell to free those who were there. To preach the good news to them of His victory. Because remember our equation? A plus B equals C. Human being plus sin equals death. Well, with Jesus you have human being plus no sin. So there shouldn't be any death. The darkness had overreached and grabbed what was not lawfully its own. And so God Himself could burst forth from the tomb and carry all of us who share His human nature with Him. We hold on to the coattails of Jesus as He flies on to victory. The way that Rufinius pictured it, he said, the cross was like a giant fish hook for those of you who were out fishing at opening day yesterday. And God baited the hook with Himself. And the devil just couldn't resist snapping it up. And ended up with a three-day bellyache and had to spit him back out. (laughs) God's cosmic April fools on sin, death, and the devil. And so we are free. I've often had people ask me whether... Laughter is appropriate in church. I want to share with you just one of my favorite passages that's ever been written in the English language. G.K. Chesterton, at the end of his book, Orthodoxy, writes this. As I open again the strange, small book from which all Christianity came, he's talking about the Bible. He says, I am again haunted by a kind of confirmation. The tremendous figure which fills the Gospels towers in this respect as in every other above all the thinkers who ever thought themselves tall. His pathos was natural, almost casual. The Stoics, ancient and modern, were proud of concealing their tears. He never concealed his tears. He showed them plainly on his open face at any daily sight, such as the far sight of his native city. Yet he concealed something. Solemn supermen and imperial diplomatists are proud of restraining their anger. He never restrained his anger. 
He flung furniture down the front steps of the temple and asked men how they expected to escape the damnation of hell. Yet he restrained something. I say it with reverence. There was in that shattering personality a thread that must be called shyness. There was something that he hid from all men when he went up a mountain to pray. There was something that he covered constantly by abrupt silence or impetuous isolation. There was some one thing that was too great for God to show us when he walked upon our earth. And I have sometimes fancied that it was his mirth. His mirth. Our God... Our God is in heaven, not only conquering sin, death, and the devil, but enjoying the process and laughing. And his laughter is echoed in the hallelujahs of the angel choir and ours when they fill our mouths. And especially when we greet each other and say, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. Amen and and hallelujah. <laughs> Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my life.